Welcome to Be the Phoenix of Your Own Life, The Feminine Rising. My name is Julie Paulston. I am your host, and I am so absolutely honored that you stopped by. Each week, I'm going to be sharing my own personal journey, and I'm also going to be interviewing some incredible people that will be sharing their journeys as well, in hopes that we can educate, motivate, and inspire you to live the best possible life that you can. So grab your favorite beverage, maybe a snack or two, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Because at the end of the day, this truly is all about you. Welcome back to Be the Phoenix of Your Own Life, The Feminine Rising. I'm Julie, and today I have the coolest chick that is joining me. Trey is, I met her from a different Facebook page, but we already know that the universe brought her into my life because yeah. she and I are like spirit sisters. And Trey, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. You know, a little bit, Julie, first of all, thank you for having me as I'm so honored to be on your podcast today. And I've just been really looking forward to it. Like whenever I'm looking forward to something, I get dressed and I do my hair like really early. And then I kind of <laughs> sit around and wait like the kid trying to go to Disney World, you know, right? <laughs> That's what it's been like. But, but, you know, my, my name is Trey, it's Travia Stewart, and I am a transformational life coach. And I, that journey that full journey started at the beginning of 2020. I taught high school theater for 24 years. And outside of that, I pivoted to coaching because I just knew there was more that I needed to do. And so that's my quick bio. And so that, that's who I am right now. That's how I identify. That's awesome. So I always ask everybody the same question to start off with. So this mm -hmm. is Be the Phoenix of Your Own Life, The Feminine Rising. And we've all been in ashes in our lives, at least once in our life. So what's mm -hmm. one pivotal moment that you were literally in the ashes of your life and how did you reclaim your divine inner Phoenix and how's that impacted your life since then? You know, Julie, the, the moment that really comes up is the beginning of 2020. That was the moment when I realized that I needed to make a change. And so, you know, every year I'm very proactive with getting my mammogram, going for my well woman, all those things. And that was the first time when they called and said, ooh, we saw something suspicious. Can you come back? Then Oof. I went back, yeah, two or three. And then I'm in there, she's doing an ultrasound and then she goes, I'm gonna be right back. I'm gonna go get the radiologist. Oh shit. Right. So she goes and gets the radiologist. He grabs my hand <laughs> oh, God. and I'm already crying. He hasn't said a word. I'm already crying because I'm like, oh shit. You, you already know when they hold your hand, you know, this yes. is not good. <laughs> yes. Right. But I wasn't confirmed yet. And so he said, we want to do a biopsy. And I said, okay. So, you know, we do a biopsy and then I don't hear anything. Well, you know how long it takes to get a gynecologist appointment. It's like weeks and weeks and weeks. Right. It was Martin Luther King Day. It was a holiday. And the secretary from my gynecologist's office called and said, Dr. Kramer needs you to get here ASAP. Oh. Well, then you really know. Because <laughs> I knew she had the results. Yeah. And, you know, and, and Dr. Kramer is someone who is, I feel like we can be friends. Like we have a lot in common. 
I have cried with her when my mom died and she sits and she goes, you know, it's carcinoma. And again, I, I, I actually, you know, the tears were already coming with her too, because I wear my feelings on my sleeves. And she immediately followed up with, you got this. She said, it's early stage DCIS, you got this. And I believed her that I had this. And that was a moment, Julie, where everything, you know, I'm very, I can be very theatrical, but it was like, I could see the montage of my life flashing in front of me. Yeah. And I thought of a conversation with my mom who died in 2017. And I asked her yeah. six months before her, her death. And I said, mom, what are you the most proud of? And she goes, in her 85 years of living, she couldn't come up with one thing, Julie. Oh. And so I am not one thing. She had five oh. kids. She didn't even say that. Oh, <laughs> right? She didn't even say that. And then Thanks, I mom. turned... I know. I turned it back around on myself and I said, you know, well, what am I proud of? And so all these moments were flashing and flashing and flashing. And I was like, I can either, you know, just wallow. I've never been someone who wallowed in self-pity. I've never been someone who identified with being depressed. So there were, there was probably about a week. My spouse was like, I believe in you. You've got this, this kind of thing. So I spent a couple of days going, Oh shit, what do yeah. I do with this? I mean, like when I think about it right now, it makes me emotional. But I said, you know what? Like we do the the my intent bracelets. I don't have yeah. mine on right now. Yeah. And she made me my bracelet that that day because we bought the kit for my for my clients. <laughs> and she wrote on it silver lining. Ah. Uh. Yeah. And so it was like, and you know, she brought and she said, here it is. And in that moment, I knew I could not let this. And you know what, Julie, what was so freaking crazy was I've always complained because, you know, I want to be a speaker. And my complaint was, I said, I don't have a big enough story that is transformational on the stage. Silver lining came and I said, oh, shit. Universe said, well, so, much more. so Trey, you don't have a big enough go. story? Here you go. Here you go. <laughs> How about cancer? How about that? Yeah. <laughs> And in that moment, I said, you know what, I'm going to, this is my silver lining. I'm not going to sit around and wait for things anymore. I'm not, I I am going to, because I always had this thing where I wanted, I wasn't sure I was fulfilling all of my potential. And then when that happened, you know, we had a conversation and I was still teaching high school theater and I was coaching, I was doing both. And we had a conversation and, and I said, you know, I just, I feel called to quit my job. And I did. And so in that moment, Julie, I loved my kids. But the day I told my students that I wasn't coming back, I cried before the words came out of my mouth. I'm a crier. (laughs) But I also went out on my patio whenever I wanted to. And I was so appreciative. And I felt like the phoenix in that moment. Yeah, because I said, this is what I've always dreamt of. I wanted to set my own hours. I wanted to make a bigger impact. This is why I'm here and I'm ready for this journey. And so in that moment, I decided that cancer happened for me instead of to me. You know, I, I, oh my God, I get goosebumps. Now I'm going to start crying because I cry. (laughs) My kids, my kids make fun of me because especially my son, Malcolm, he always makes fun of me. He's like, Jesus, mom, are you crying again? It's a Hallmark yes. commercial. And I'm like, but it's really touching. <laughs> so, I know. <laughs> I so, 
when when you have that happen and and you and I talked about this before is that when you realize things happen for you mm -hmm. a lot of people really struggle with that saying you know when you say well things don't right. happen to you they happen for you and you basically get a double middle finger because people are going through the oh, roughest God, part yeah. of their life and they're like what do you mean it's happening for me you know my my dad died and this happened and this happened and this happened the hell is this happening for me i didn't ask for any of this what do you say right. to people who come back because you and i feel the same way about it but how do you come back to people that are like yeah whatever trey <laughs> nice of you to say that right. but my life's falling apart right you know julie i would not have been able to answer that question the same way i'm going to answer it today until coaching my whole foundation of coaching is based on our thoughts create our reality right there were days like i said all of my life i just don't want to get cancer just don't give me cancer not that cancer thing i can probably deal with anything else and then when i used to drive to my high school there was an md anderson cancer center oh. on the right and i literally did this don't look over there, don't look over there, you turn us down, you turn us down. No, no, no. And I never looked. And I felt like in that moment, I was like, you know, because we all have fears. And right. so that was one of the fears that I felt like I brought on myself with my thinking. Yeah. You know, so when people are like, you know, like I have family members, are you, we've lost some family members, you know? And then, you know, if, if, if they're like shooting the middle finger, fuck you, Dre, you know, how do you deal with that shit? I just think that, in the moment, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And I just have never been the kind of person to allow myself to stay in a hole of yeah. sadness and depression. Now, do I get sad? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. But I just prefer, I love myself, you know, with every morning I get up on a scale of one to 10, how I feel. I, I'm generally an eight, eight and a half, nine. Today, I'm a nine. Sweet. And I just believe that we're in control of our perception, right? This is how we perceive the things. Did I miss my mother when she died? Absolutely. But you know what, oh, yeah. Julie, we're closer now that she's yeah. died because I couldn't be fully honest with my mother for most, for all of my life. Right. I couldn't be honest with her. And so I just have been able to pick out the good things and go, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's, this is what I learned. This has made me stronger. Right. You know, and I think it gives you some semblance of freedom. And, and I get that because like with my dad, there were certain things that I could never tell my dad. There's just, you know, there's things that happened in my life that he found out about and, and he was really upset about. And so there's a certain, I think there's a certain amount of freedom because then you get to be who you have yes. always been before the world told you who you should be. And, yes. <laughs> you know, should all over yourself and because we yep. should all over ourselves all, oh, I should be this. I should do this. I should do that. Mm -hmm. When in actuality, if you step back and breathe and go, what do I want to do? Yeah. Yeah. You know, in the moment, if I want to eat a cookie, I'm going to eat a fucking cookie. Eat a, eat a, eat cookie. a fucking cookie. Exactly. That doesn't it's, it's eat the whole pack. It's not going to kill you to eat a cookie. Now, if you right, eat the whole right. sleeve of Oreos, now that's a different problem. <laughs> that might be a problem. Right? That might be a problem. So what do you think the driving force was with your diagnosis? Take me through like, what was your journey? What was the driving force? Because I know that your spouse was there for you and your bracelet. What, what was your journey like? 
my journey was, you know, I spent a couple of days going, what do I do with this? Like, I couldn't say the words. Like, I couldn't, like, she was the one who called people and said, hey, you know, close family members, this is what's happening. And so I couldn't say those words for about a week or so. And then, so she said them for me. And then the first time I said them, it was to a couple of our, our best friends who are snowbirds up in Montana. And I said those words and, and cried. And it was like, I had claimed it. Yeah, I had acknowledged it, even though I knew I'd already been told the words, but I hadn't said the words myself. And so it was all of that fear, all of that, just, I felt like toxicity that was, I was so afraid of getting it. Yeah. And then there's no way, Julie, that I could have been pissed about having early stage zero. And Julie, let me, and, and, and you know, I need to expound. I'll tell you, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be fully honest with you. I, <laughs> somebody said that's too honest, you know, some of my family members would be like- Never too honest, never too honest on this podcast, girl. Nope, never too honest. I have always been someone who, now I identify I'm female but I've always hated having breasts. I always wanted them to be smaller. Right. And when the, the whole process was, they wanted to do just a lumpectomy. And, and I was like, what? Because I know how my brain goes, lumpectomy? No, 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 no. take them off, you cut them off. We don't want this ever to come back again because I'm a little dramatic sometimes. Right, <laughs> nah, drama coach, yeah. Mm -hmm. There we go, there we go, I can do that. And so they said, oh, like, okay, let's have an, an MRI guided biopsy. And they found another suspicious mass, which would, which looked like a third in my right breast. And they said, oh. Ooh, shit, that is now justification for the mastectomy. And they tried to talk me out of it and talk me out of it and talk me out of it. And this was when I was working with uh, Christina Berkeley. I went through this whole, I never, I never missed a coaching call. I was on the call. I had cert. As a matter of fact, I had my double mastectomy when the world changed March 11th, last year, Julie, when I came out of surgery, the world was shut down and I oh, never shit. went back to school in person since then, because I was going to, so the whole process was I had a double mastectomy. I was going to be home for three weeks. That's it. And they said six. I said, no, yep. three, I'm strong. Damn it. I'm going to be home <laughs> for three weeks. I was directing a full length play, our spring production. And I was going to go back and direct that damn show. And it was going to be the best thing ever. <laughs> right. And then the universe yeah. goes, listen, hardhead, we've yep. got some news for you. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, and then I kept having to go, okay, this is for me. This is for me. This is for me. And so, so, so that whole process were, was just, I kept having to remind myself, I did a lot of journaling. I kept having to remind myself that, okay, you don't understand today, but it's still for you. Right. You don't understand. It's still for you. And so yes. I just went through that whole process. And, and I remember I was on the call because I did Christina Berkeley's hatch and we were on a call and I told them, you know, what I'm, what I'm sharing with you. I never shared with anybody before. And I was sharing in the fact that I felt like a weight had also been lifted by not having breast anymore. Yeah. You know, I mean, that doesn't mean like, I don't, I don't identify as a male. I'm a female, right. right? but I just, I just feel more like me. Exactly. You know? 
And yeah. I think there's so, there's so much, I love the way our conversations go because <laughs> I'm like, okay, and we're going down that path. <laughs> My little Dory right, just keeps right. swimming. Ooh, sparkly thing. Um, but yeah. <laughs> here's the thing is that once again, societal norms say yeah. that women have to have breasts. We, breasts. and the bigger the boobs, the better looking we are. And it's yeah. so there it is so can be so traumatizing to women because yeah if you like I have friends of mine who have had reductions and then I've had friends of mine that have had implants Mm -hmm. and the ones that have implants I'm like your body is beautiful as it is but we have been if the Kardashians ever hear this I'm gonna be in so much trouble (laughs) let's hope they do we have been Kardashianized as yeah. a society that you've got to have a big ass, you've got to have big boobs, you've got to have this right. little waist and these big lips. And this, it's, it's an unrealistic expectation of how a woman should look. And I right. love the fact that you own that they were in the way and you yeah. feel freer and you feel like who you are at your core. Absolutely. Thank Do you. you think that that has helped you through now you were stage zero besides yes. that one that they found? Yeah. Stage zero. And so Sweet. when they, when they got, when they chopped them off, <laughs> I didn't have to do radiation or chemo. Oh, I'm, nice. I'm not even on any medication, like no tamoxifen, nothing, Julie. How can I, oh. how can it not happen for me? Right. Yeah. Every part of that is a blessing. Oh yeah. You know, absolutely. And it's funny because I remember I went through a scare. My mom, my mom's a breast cancer survivor. And I remember I went in and did the, the mammogram and, and like, they were like, you know what, we're going to just go. They literally went and got the radiologist at that moment. Yeah. That was, that was that oh shit moment. Yeah. And they're like, so we're going to go ahead and just take you and do an ultrasound and same as you instant waterworks. And Mm -hmm. so they're doing an ultrasound and they're like, "Mm, well, there's a cyst in here, but it's got some stuff in it. And we'll just let you go six months. And if it gets any worse, we'll do a biopsy. And I'm like, the hell I'm waiting six months to do a biopsy now. Today. Today, right now. Come on, Cletus, let's go. And uh, (laughs) so, so they did the biopsy, but I remember waiting. I remember the trepidation of waiting and my kids were mom, what are you going to do? Mom, what are you going to do? And I was like, worst case scenario, mama gets a new rack. And <laughs> I love it. And my, and my boys were like, please don't sweet baby Jesus. Don't ever say that to us again. Say that again. <laughs> mama gets a new rack. <laughs> so you retired, I'll say retired. So you left your job, you retired as a drama coach. How much fun was that though? You know, it was a lot of fun. I made a very clear decision to not to teach something that was not gen pop. Like I didn't want to teach, uh, I didn't want to teach English math where yet test, I wanted to do something that was fun. So I was a theater major. That's what my degree is in communications and theater. And so it was so much fun. You know, I loved watching that whole journey of students who would walk into my classroom who couldn't spell acting and then watching them evolve into something like, I was like, oh my God, 
look at that actor. Right. Oh my God, look at this performance, you know? And I would just, and when I got really excited when they did so good with a scene after it worked it, I would like throw a chair and I would kick it and they would be like, yes, Miss Stewart almost hit me with a chair. It's a good <laughs> thing, so it's excited. a good thing. <laughs> it's a good thing, yeah. But it, it was fun, it was fun. So what was your favorite play that you ever did? Oh, that was, oh, Julie, I have several. It probably was Kentucky Cycle Fire and Hole. When I taught in Texas, it was my state winning show and uh, wow. 4A. And then when I came, when I moved to Arizona, I was able to do, because in Texas with one act play was only a 40 minute version. Here in Arizona, I could do the full thing. Oh, and I did cool. the full thing and loved it even more in a different way because I could do it. I, I mean, I've, I've done August Osage County. I've done Blood Wedding, Blood Brother. I mean, I love, you know, the bulk of the shows that I've done. So I love action-driven plays because I can't stand talky, 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 talky. Because yeah. high, school, high school audience doesn't want to sit there and listen. It's not Broadway. You know, yeah. you got to entertain these people. So. Right. Right. I would say that's on the top of my list. Kentucky Cycle, Fire in the Hole. Do you ever, do you ever miss it? I mean, you're obviously you're a very successful coach. Do you miss that though? Is there anything that you do now that kind of keeps your, keeps your fingers in it or are you just done and, and that's a done. chapter that's closed? It's a chapter that's closed. You know why, Julie? Because probably about the last six years or so, I recognized that I wasn't being challenged anymore. And I recognized there's something about public education where it just became this thing that, hey, Ms. Stewart, do more. No, no, you do more. Don't ask those kids to do more. You do more. Yeah. And it just was this thing. And then I felt like I wasn't being challenged. And then the kids who actually wanted to really pursue acting, because I want to be there for kids who want to soak up everything like a sponge. Right. And that number started getting less and less and less and less. And then my last couple of years, I found myself convincing my mm. students most of the time going, this is so important. You really need to learn this. They just wanted to get up there and memorize lines and deliver lines. I was like, yeah. good. No, there's so much more. And so I recognized that that season that chapter was coming to an end. Yeah. And if I were going to find my more, it wasn't going to be in teaching. Yeah. So yeah. what now, because like we've had conversations before, so it's the education, the motivation, the inspiration. How do you bring that to your clients? How do you bring that to the people that you work with? I mean, obviously you've got tons of energy and you're motivating, you're inspiring. <laughs> What, how do you bring that? What kind of a coach are you? Are you kind of like a, are you kind of like a, Hey, I'm going to kick you in your ass kind of coach. Or are you more a, what, what do you specialize in as far as transformation? I am their biggest cheerleader. I am their motivator. I always want to set the example. Like, as a matter of fact, one of my clients love her and she, uh, <laughs> we have a call. We had a call like about a month ago or so. And again, I do the scale of one to 10. So I do it with them. So every time they come to the call and I go, you know, Julie, what's your number? And so I always am like an eight or a nine. And so my client goes, 
I looked at my calendar, I looked at my watch and knew that our call was coming up in an hour. And she said, and I was about at a four. And I knew I couldn't get on that call as a four. God damn it, I'm talking to Travia and blah, 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 blah. And she said, so I, dr- I, I opened a bottle of champagne so I could get my energy up. And she goes, nice. and thank you for that. Yeah, and it. so I bring it, but I also have a guy that I was coaching who was like, oh, your energy is just too much. I need you to take it down. You're stressing me out. <laughs> I get that sometimes. So, yeah, you know, and in and, and in my coach training, you know, all of my mentor coaches were like, don't want it more for them than they want it for themselves. And I get that. Yeah. But sometimes I do. And I get attached and I'm like, I am on, you know, Team Julie. Yeah. I want Team Julie to kick ass. I want right. Team Julie to not be treated like that. Right. And so the, every one of my clients know that I am their biggest cheerleader, you know. You know, I'm sure maybe their wife and their kids beat me out, but I'm pretty close. Right. Because right. I want them to win. Well, and I think that with our clients, wife, cheerleader, you know, their kids, spouses, all that, they're definite cheerleaders for them. There's a different edge that I think that a coach can bring to it because yeah. we're not, we're personally invested in them, but we're not personally invested in them. Right. Like I'm not climbing into bed with my clients. I'm not right. <laughs> laundry with my clients. I'm not right. going having dinner with my clients. So I think that it's a little bit, it's like, it's that difference that helps us to be able to push them further Absolutely. than like their families and their spouses can do. So yeah. you wake up like an eight or nine most days. So mm-hmm. what happens? What do you do when you wake up at a two, you know, I recognize. Yeah. So I, I come it, my office is my, I I meditate in the morning. So first of all, I stretch because I've had a total knee replacement. My shit in it isn't as flexible as it used to be. So I have to stretch first of all. So I get out of bed, I stretch and I I come into the office and I do have a foam roller and I foam roll and then I reassess. And then already that number has gone up. And then before I start my meditation, my visualization, I lay there and go, okay, all right, I might be at about a five right now. And then by the time I meditate and do my visualization, I am easily, because I know that my emotions are anticipation and exhilaration. And so I do this powerful visualization where where I see myself on the stage. I mean, sometimes I get up, I do some priming. I just generate that energy daily. And people are like, I don't know how you do that. Everybody can do that. Exactly. Yeah. And so I do that and I don't stop Julie until I'm at least an eight. And if I got it and then any time during the day when I dip down because it happens and I go, oh shit, where, where are my AirPods? (laughs) I got it. I I, got to get it right back up. And I do. Exactly. Because it's more fun to be at an eight. (laughs) So now do you journal in the morning or do you journal at night or do you journal different times of the day? No, I only journal in the morning and I only journal at the beginning of the week. I noticed. Really? And it's, it's the, yeah, I don't journal every day. Not every day. Do I have something to write because I can get in my head a lot and sometimes writing it down gets it out. Now I do do my gratitude every day, right. but I don't journal every day you know? And so I have like the six minute habit. I go through the habit nest books. I send them to all of my clients and I love the, the gratitude prompts because yeah, I, I heard on one of your other podcasts, you do a hundred. Holy shit. That's a lot, <laughs> so, girl. You know, what's really funny is, okay. So 
I was in this container with uh, with some really cool people and the, the gal that was leading it, she said, do a gratitude list of a hundred things you're grateful for. And I was like, okay, I'm like the gratitude queen, but that's shit, that's a lot. So I'm like, all right, well, we're gonna wing it. We're gonna do it because I can do this. Yeah. And so I got to like 25 and I was like, eh, I'm, grat- oh, I'm grateful yeah. for my water. My water from my pen, you know, and and I like limped it to fifty. I mean, right. to fifty, and then I got to fifty, and I thought, now nah, I'm, I'm I'm done. I, I I got nothing else, and I thought, what the hell else am I gonna write about? Right. And I sat there, and I w- I took like this deep breath. I was like, oh my god, breathing, breathing, and then it just like <laughs> it just set me off into a different. It was almost like a part of my brain took over and I thought about when my kids were little and the feeling of their arms around my neck and I drive a convertible. And so like when the top is down and the sun streaming on my face and the smell of the, the water, when I'm at the beach and those started, those things started flowing out and the the smell of fresh cut grass. And I know I'm weird, Mm -hmm. but the smell of gas, I love the smell of gasoline every once in a while. (laughs) I love the smell of jet fuel. Okay. I love wow. the smell of okay. jet fuel. My dad was a pilot. It brings me closer to him. Oh, well, there you um, go. Yeah. And you know, the blue angels fly. So I'm like, oh, and the blue angels. And it just uh-huh. took me. So I'm going to challenge you to do a hundred this week at some point 100. in time this week, okay. do a hundred and then let me know how it goes because I've had other people do it. And I'm like, Julie, that's a lot. I'm like, just, just try it. And okay. I ended up that first time at 125. Wow, that's a lot. Okay, and then the, I will do it this week. And then I thought the next day, I'm like, well, I'm an overachiever sometimes. Let's try it again. <laughs> I got to 130 and I was like, what the hell? And they were different wow. than the day before. That's it was, cool. it's, yeah. it almost unlocks that side of you that if you're sitting at that eight, nine, you know what that, that, that gratitude is, you know, that feeling Absolutely. that. And it's hard to describe it to people. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I and will it's do hard. that. Yeah, I want you to try that. I want you to try I that. Will. So I will. So now that you're coaching, uh-huh. how much do you love the freedom of being able to just be an entrepreneur? Did you ever see yourself growing up? So little Trey, did you ever see yourself as an entrepreneur? No. What did you want to be when you grew up? A famous actor. Nice. Yeah. But Julie, this is why, this is why my whole coaching methodology is on the identity effect method, because your identity affects everything and you have to change your identity to begin. I never saw this. I never, there was no person in my family who was an entrepreneur. So I didn't know what one looked like, except they were on TV and here we go. And they were white. Exactly. You know, and so I was like, I just didn't relate to those people. And so, you know, my mom was an insurance agent most of her life. Then she got her home health thing. I watched my mom live paycheck to paycheck. So that's what I knew. I had my sister who passed. She made probably the most, the most money in my family. So I said, oh, one day I want to make enough money where I can have Mary maids come and clean my house because she had Mary maids come and clean her house every two weeks. Ooh, that, and that was and huge. That was huge. And so that was the extent of what I thought I could do because I just, it wasn't in my environment. So no, I never thought I, I would be an entrepreneur. I thought, as I mean, I, 
I graduated with a theater degree and I went to work for a theatrical lighting company. So I wanted to travel. And, but then I quickly got over that because I had friends who were teachers and I missed doing theater. And I love that they had summers off. I love that they had weekends off. And then <laughs> I hated the amount of money that I went from working for the lighting company. And then as a teacher, it was like, oh. right. But oh. what I, what I got back was my weekends, my holidays, my yeah. God, you know, instilling, watching the evolution of a kid who came in who didn't know acting and who, you know, is graduated from Carnegie Mellon. Uh, that type of thing. Amazing. Yeah. Oh that's my God. It, it's so amazing. So, so I've done a lot of identity work and over the years. So now I see myself as an entrepreneur. As a matter of fact, part of my visualization, just to be full disclosure, is visualizing that I can do six figures this year. Nice. And so, nice. because the brain has to believe it, right? We have to see it and believe it before it can happen. Yeah. It, it's, it's be, do, have, not have, do, be. Right. Right. So exactly. So do you think it was, now I'm going to go down a completely different road now. Okay. So okay. Beca I love it. because like you said, there weren't people that looked like you mm -hmm. when you thought of entrepreneurs and, and, even though I'm white, there were usually all guys, but they were white guys. Right. There was very right. few white women, women, period. There were no yeah. black women. And I think the first woman that I saw besides Oprah was Lisa Nichols. Mm. And I started I now. Oh, <laughs> I love her. What do you think that that has that had any bearing on how you've conducted your business or do you think that that talk to me about coming up through the ranks as a strong beautiful black woman hmm. thank you for that you know i <laughs> i did one of lisa nichols when this was before covid and i can't it was you know she's motivating the masses right and you know and since you're familiar with her, you probably are familiar with her whisper exercise. Yes. Yes. When it came down to that whisper exercise, because I was, I love her speaking, you know, uh, everything about it, you know, and I, yeah. I took her class and everything, but it was when she did that whisper exercise, it was like Lisa Nichols spoke to me of, you know, and it's a whole thing. What did you want those other people to say? And, and I felt like Lisa gave me permission that she was a black woman who didn't find her success until later. I think she right. was almost 50, you know, or late forties or somewhere. Yeah. And I remember relating to that and going, Oh shit. You know, because yeah, Oprah just, I couldn't touch Oprah. Oprah no. was like, she's a, the a, a Barbie doll. Like yeah. But when I, you know, when you listen to Lisa Nichols story with Jelani and you know, the, her last, that whole bit was yeah. like, I can do that. Yeah, I can do this. Yeah. And so seeing those types of things, and to be honest, my wife is an infectious disease researcher oh at ASU. Yeah. And she sets the bar so high, Julie. Like there are times when I go, girl, <laughs> did you think that was really going to happen? And she goes, yeah. And I was like, no way did you think you're really going to get that position, right? You were nervous, right? No. No. And I was like, how, how does that happen? And so just watching her climb the ladder of success, I go, 
she's not even nervous. She doesn't mean, you know, like, like she got, she got tenure. I was nervous. Right. Then, she, then she was pr promoted to full professor like a year and a half ago. And I was there and I was like, oh my God, you know, this is a time she's going to be disappointed. And I'm, I'm at the dentist going, oh God, you know, she's getting the call right now. And then I walk in the house and I'm all so nervous for her. And, blah, 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 and she goes, <laughs> and I just watched her. She's never nervous. She never, she, she never doubts that she can't do something. I doubt my shit all the time. And I have to go, oh, oh. Let's remember yeah. who you yeah. are, but she doesn't do that. So that has been an, a strong example in my life. And then, so I go, oh, shit, she's got this mask. Cause I'm a very confident person, but I'm confident in certain things. Yes. Yes. You know, I can get in there and talk my way out of anything, but believing that I can, you know, like I have a hard time. If you said, how much money can you make as a, as a coach? Like I have a hard time believing that I can make a million, be a millionaire as a coach. But yeah, she I, I get that. And I, and, and I surround myself. It's like when we were talking uh, on the other day is I surround myself with women who trigger me. I surround yeah. myself. I surround myself with women who trigger the fuck out of me because I want them to trigger that, that thought process because right. it's it's one of those things and and i'll tell you even though there's coaches that i know that make you know 100 grand a month and they're 200 grand a month there's there's one right. of them that she's she's making like she's already made five million this year alone and i'm wow. thinking to myself that that those numbers are so mind-boggling then right. I have to think, okay, well, Julie, you can't eat the elephant all in one bite. You've got to just, you know, little tiny pieces at a time. Yeah. And it's funny because if you listen to them, they will tell you that when they were in our shoes and when they were, you know, coaching that they thought the same thing. And it's really about that self-belief because you mm -hmm. and I are both very powerful and we're great speakers and we are very confident. And then there are certain areas of our lives where we're like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Can that really happen? That? Oh, okay. <laughs> and then, yeah. then you have your wife yeah. who's like, come on, you can do this. I have faith in what? you. Yeah. I, I, you I love it? the balance between the two of you. It seems like you guys have a really good balance. We do. We do. That's awesome. Yeah. How yeah. long have you guys been married? We got married in 2014. Oh, and so I it'll be that. seven years in June, but we've been together almost 15 years. That was that a whole funny. nother whole nother chapter that's a whole nother podcast girl i'm gonna have you back that is, a whole nother, that, that is a whole nother podcast julie that's a that's whole, a, that's a whole. Podcast. well and i think that yeah i think that that conversation is and 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 i'm, I'm gonna hold you to that i'm gonna have you back Absolutely. we are going to talk about that and about your journey from coming out to where you are and Ooh. all of those things because i think that that yeah. is something that has to be talked about. And I think that it's something that people need to hear mm -hmm. because when you, when you first hear something, it's that snap judgment until yeah. you hear somebody tell their journey. And then Absolutely. it's like, you become human. Yeah. Yeah, you do. And as a matter of fact, I, again, I'm a person who needs external validation. I need somebody to say, yeah, do that. Use that. Oh, that's a good idea. That kind of thing. Then I believe that is a good idea. And when I've been working on my signature talk with Pete Vargas and Pat Quinn and that whole, yeah. that whole gang, and I was trying to avoid the elephant in the room. 
yeah. of not allowing that identity change to be my signature story. And that is it. And so I finally said, and like I got on the call with this coach, he's like, what the hell is the matter with you? <laughs> that is your story. And I was like, okay. Okay. Well, and, yeah. it's, and I think it's because you're bearing a part of you that you have lived with. And I'm going to garner a guess because I, I haven't walked in your shoes, but I'm going to garner a guess that growing up that number one, that was not acceptable. Mm. Number two, if I come out with this story, number one, I've come out to certain people, but if I am a coach and I'm telling this story on a massive platform, then everybody right. else is going to know. They may yes. say this, they may say that. I'm and it's terrifying. People and lose clients. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And I tell, it's so funny because one of my clients, she's like, but Julie, if I do that, I might, I might lose clients. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. If you lost that client, you understand that another one's going to come take its place. Right. And if you want to buy a new car, you can't have your Pinto in the garage. You've got to get rid of the Pinto to bring in the Benz. <laughs> right. You've got I to empty it. out all of the shit so you can pull it into your garage. And right. I think that's a huge lesson that anybody's listening can take is that you've got to be able to share that story. Do you, does, yeah. is it getting more and more comfortable for you or is it still kind of? No, it is getting more comfortable. And as a matter of fact, I'm in a process of this is in, so my word for 2021 is bold. And what I didn't want to do was post every day on Facebook. Well, for 30 days, I'm posting every day on Facebook. I'm in week number two. Nice. And so, and I'm post, yeah. And I'm posting things like every Monday I do a video, the rest of the week are posts. And so, because you know why I always, I'm totally fine posting on LinkedIn and Instagram because my mama's people are not on LinkedIn and Instagram. I felt like I still have relatives. I still have people who resemble my mom's beliefs who I yep. never had the conversation with. I feel like I always felt like I could not be fully honest because those people would judge and criticize me and it would right. just be like hearing it from my mother again. So right. I am walking directly into that fear and it's already gotten so much better to where I'm like, I don't really care as much as I used to. And right. It's been nothing but support, Julie. Now, not that I've gone, I mean, I did say, you know, my 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 spouse supports me because sometimes I still use the word spouse rather than wife, right. you know? And so that's a that's a level of comfortability as well, you know, right. with Facebook, but I'm walking into that. And sometimes so, yeah. it takes the baby steps because the baby steps mm -hmm. are what stir up the magic. Yeah. And people think that you're supposed to take these leaps and these bounds and just dive on in, but- yeah. When, when you learn to ride a bike, I don't think that your mom or your dad or whoever taught you how to ride a bike took you out there on a 10 speed and said, <laughs> go here. I know you can don't think around. that happened. So anything, anytime you're going down a journey like that, I think that you have to sometimes take those baby steps that you have to understand right. that and you hear it all the time and people are like, oh, Julia, it's bullshit. Joy's in the journey, whatever. But it truly is. <laughs> it truly is. So I would talk to you all day long. I but know. I have a couple, yeah. two more questions. So with okay. your journey, if you had a magic wand, would you go back and mm -hmm. change anything? And if not, why? And if you would, why? 
my whole life journey or my cancer yeah. journey? Your whole life journey. My life. You know, I'm one of those people who would change some things. I felt like I wasted a lot of my life, not being honest with who I was, not really pursuing what it was I wanted to pursue. And so, you know, if I knew then what I know now, I probably wouldn't have taught theater for so long. I just was always so scared to take chances where I never really put myself out there. And so I, I think things would be different because even today, even though I know everything happens for a reason, but I have regrets. Yeah. And the reason, and my biggest fear right now is that I have to make up for all of that time. So before I close my eyes, that I don't have unfulfilled potential, untapped potential in dreams that I've taken to the grave with me. Right. Cause that's the richest area in, in, isn't it? In the universe is the graveyard. Cause that's where all the yeah. ideas went and died. Yep. Les Brown, baby. Yep. Yep. Love him. Love him. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. My mom asked me that question one time and, and it's funny cause I am on the opposite scale because I, I remember seeing the butterfly effect with Ashton Kutcher mm, yeah, and that radically shifted my belief after I saw that movie, all of a sudden I didn't believe that way. And it's gotten even more and more. I remember my mom asked me one time, she's like, honey, if you could go back and change anything, would you? And I thought about some of the things I've been through and I was like, Ooh, and then I thought, you know what? No, because if I made a different decision, yeah, I would have saved myself from going through some of those things, mm -hmm. but there's no guarantee I wouldn't be sitting where I am right now. And I love right. the badass woman that I am now. It took years you. for me to get here. It took yeah. years. I mean, I, I said on a live, I think it was a couple of weeks ago that it was only in the last two years that I actually got a full length mirror. Really? Yeah. Because wow. I used to be almost 300 pounds. And so I hated my body. Even when I draw, and I mean, I went up and down and up and down. I was like a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. Even when I was at my thinnest, I still detested who I was. And so I never right. had a full length mirror. And then being a hairstylist for 30 years, you walk out the door and you're like, oh shit, these blacks don't match, but <laughs> whatever. Because <laughs> you never yeah. know. I'm like, yes, I look good from the chin up. Yes, good job. Julie, your hair looks Boom. good. Your shirt looks good. It's time to go. Time to go. And it's funny because I think that women, as women, and for the women who are listening, I think that's a journey that we all take. Yeah. Is, is coming back to self, is coming back to who we are and coming back to that woman that we've let go and maybe hid and pushed aside. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's listening right now, Trey, and, and they were sitting there and they're sitting in the ashes and it's dark and they feel like there's no hope. What's one thing that you would tell someone to give them that spark of hope? You know, I would go back to the silver lining because I don't think God puts anything on you that he knows you can't handle. Everything that that is thrust upon us is for a reason. I 100% believe that. If I couldn't believe that, then I would just be like, what, what? nothing makes sense. So right. I just believe everything happens for a reason. And so it's looking for that silver lining. And even if you can't find it initially, keep looking, keep looking, keep looking so that that's something that you can grow from. And how can you use that, your mess as your message and your story to help the next person? 
you know, because you don't want to just stay in that hole. We want to climb the ladder and then pull people up with us. Right. And so I want to use my cancer story. I want to use my sexuality story to help the next person who's struggling. And so it's always looking for that silver lining. That's what I would think, because I've always been a a positive, optimistic thinker. And that is the thing that's worked for me the best. I mean, because I don't think a storm lasts very long. I think it's short and, and, and based on your mindset, it can be as short as you need it to be, you know, but it's, it's finding that silver, that silver lining. Oh, I love that. And going through storms, you know, you, and it's true. They, they come through and sometimes they last a little while, but they're always going to blow through. So yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's like a mic drop moment right there. Love it. Love it. Love it. Trey. Yeah. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you, how much I just adore you. And I'm so, like I said before, I'm like the universe put us in each other's life and, and like you yes. said, after podcasts, we're still going to be friends. And what part yes. of Arizona are you in? I'm in Mesa. Shut your whole face right now. Okay. As My soon whole as I face end is this, in Mesa. No, as soon as I end this, you'll understand why. Because my mom, okay. lives, in Gold, my mom lives in Gold Canyon. Oh, I know where Gold Canyon is. She lives on Mountain Brook Golf Course. So that's where my mom wow. is. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So there we go. Another, another similarity. Boom. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. This has been super, super fun. I will tell you that Trey, how can people get a hold of you? I'm going to put it in the show notes. So anybody that's listening, I, if you're driving, please don't pull up the show notes, but when you get a chance, go to the show notes because everything you need to know about Trey, how to get a hold of her for coaching, how to get a hold of her, just to get a hold of her, all her links will be in there. But if somebody's like, oh my gosh, I need to know now, Trey, how can we get a hold of you? <laughs> you know, the easiest thing is my website. It's TraviaStewart.com, T-R-A-V-I-A Stewart, S-T-E-W-A-R-D.com. I have a contact form on there, you know, that they can fill out. I send my calendar link. We set up a call and the calls are always free, of course. And then, but I would love it if they would hook me, you know, link up with me on Instagram. It's Instagram, Travia Stewart. Facebook, it's Trey Stewart. I'm on LinkedIn. I have a podcast called Reinvent You. The yep. Julie's on, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, so I, I think if you just Google my name, I think you could kind of just you can find fantastic. It. It's fantastic. it's much easier now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I gotta love the googly. So yeah. that's how you get a hold of Trey. You guys, if you enjoyed this, please feel free to share it, subscribe, like, download, whatever is all the things Ooh-hoo. that you do. And go listen to her podcast. It is phenomenal. She's got some amazing people on there. And it's just really all about reinventing you and creating the goddess that you've always been before the world yes. told you who you had to be. See, that's so, why I connected with you to begin with. When you say right? that, I love it. Yes. <laughs> I love, love that, that thing. I'm like, yes. Enjoy the rest of your day. It is a Wednesday and you all know what that means. Since it's Wednesday, that means you get a slide on into the weekend. Thank you for participating. Thanks for listening. And we will talk to you next week. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. I appreciate you. And remember, you are loved. You are treasured. You are adored. You are worthy. And you are so more than enough. 
I hope that you were inspired. And if you were, please feel free to download, share, and leave a comment. I would be eternally grateful. Thank you so much and have an absolutely magical day.